0: 16th, a great conference. Karen Wheat right now is touching the world. Let me say that again Karen Wheat is touching the world. Billy Burke is having more confirmed miracles than any other healing ministry in the nation. In the nation. And Jer- Jeremy Ostale has a life changing word. You remember when he, when he, when he preached last time he was here and passed her on to David? She just rocks. I'm telling you, she just, she just, every area, she just rocks, and so it's going to be a great conference, it's going to be a time of refreshing, a time of renewal, and I like our theme, awakening, the word says, wake up the mighty men, let the men of war draw near, and I believe that we are in a season of preparing to take back. How many of you know that without preparation, there's no presence, that we've got to prepare, if we're going to be what we want to be and do what we want to do, we've got to prepare for that. I am preaching, by the way, if you're, take, if, you're, if you're timing me, I am preaching. David had a thankless job. Nobody thanks anybody for taking care of sheep. How many know that's a thankless job. He had hours of spare time on his hand. But let me, let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't get depressed and sleep. He didn't take Xanax or hydrocodone. He stayed involved. Let me tell you, he stayed involved. He had a harp. he practiced it for hours. He was so good, he played before a king. How would you like to be so good that you could play, well, maybe not Mr. Obama, but let's say George Bush. That's trying to show you my—I'm I'm not supposed to be political. I'm never politically correct, so don't take that as an insult. However, I did not vote for a president, but I do support him. Hello. We're supposed to honor those over us in in the Lord. Are, are you excited about what God's Word has to say today? David, when he had hours and hours of spare time on his hands, he practiced the harp and he practiced the sling. He was so good, I believe that at 50 yards, David would set up a small rock on top of a big rock, and I believe he could, he could take that sling and knock that little rock off. Obviously, he ran at the same time he practiced. Because The Bible says he ran towards the giant, and he slung that rock, at the only place that that enemy was vulnerable, how many, how many of you do they realize that God knows where your enemy is vulnerable? How many knows your enemy has several weaknesses? How many knows it's not by might, it's not by power, It's by the Spirit of God living and breathing in you. Wednesday night, if you missed it, get that teaching. Your spirit talks about the need for the Holy Spirit. We had a cup of coffee Wednesday night, coffee with room. It had cream in it, three ingredients in that container. Tell me what they are. Water, coffee, and cream, three ingredients. The container is you. You are the container. You hold the things of God. You hold the mind of God, the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, the power of God. You cannot accept Christ in your heart without accepting God and the Holy Spirit. And you've got to decide whether you're going to shake it or stir it. Come on. you got to decide whether you're going to shake shake up the gifts that are in you, stir the gifts, with, or just let it lie dormant. It's your it's your body. The, the, the Lord is not going to force things upon you. The enemy forces everything upon you. Am I talking to anybody? When the physical man gets hungry, we demand food. How many knows what it's like to be so hungry you could eat a frozen dog? Jack Nicholas going south, never mind. Anybody so hungry you could get a frozen cat. I mean, you just, you just, I mean, your body's, food, food, feed me, feed me. Where are you? A teenager never gets full, they get tired. They eat till they're tired, they lay down, take a nap, come back and eat again. Am I telling the truth? So your physical body, when it goes without food, it says, I am starved. I got to get a hamburger. I got to get something to eat. When your spiritual man gets hungry, it goes dormant. Your spiritual man goes. If you don't feed your spiritual man, your spiritual man will sleep, and you're walking around with all this av- av- available availability to power and authority. But if you never plug into it, you can never use it. Look at somebody and say, "Is he talking to me?" I'm talking directly to you. This this buds for. I mean, this message is for you. This message for you. I want you to go with me to Psalm the 29th chapter, and I want to look at verses 8 through 11. I've entitled this thought this morning, and you obviously realize we do this for our Facebook congregation because they like catchy titles and they like to listen to stuff like this. The thought this morning of the title, Jonathan, welcome home. Glad you're back. Good to good to have you. whole lot of shaking going on. A whole lot of shaking going on. And when I think about shaking, my mind goes to a Walmart scene where a woman was there with her three or four-year-old, and he was being a punk. I mean, he was he was whining. He was running his mouth. He wanted everything to on this. I mean, he was, he really was he really was. And matter of fact, I wanted to go over and slap him, Kenny. That's how irritating he was. But that mama grabbed that kid up by the coat by by the shirt tail, and she started doing this. And you could hear his teeth rattling back in in the when I think when I think of shaking unfortunately that's the first thing that comes to my mind and it probably should because that's not what God God doesn't want to shake you and rattle your teeth Luke. I, I promise you, that's not what the word is intended today then I think about if you've ever been in South Georgia to a pecan now in South Georgia they call them Pecans pecans I don't know what's wrong and they call crappie crappy I ne- I never and they don't they don't wash the car they wash the car so if you've ever been to a pecan orchard how many you've never been to a pecan orchard the day of harvest you got to go you got it it needs to be on your bucket list that's something you need to do before you die because they got this cool toy this cool machine and it comes up and it bumps the tree and then they start the motor up and this this thing just shakes the tree like this and all of a sudden hundreds of pecans fall and you would be blown away how many thousands of dollars can be generated from five pecan trees? It's un- Greg. Am I telling the truth? It's unbelievable. Thirty to forty thousand dollars. Five healthy trees. Maybe we should start planting pecan trees. I don't know. But but what is so cool when you see that thing shake that tree? It's like man, that's the neatest thing. This also happens in Israel. They don't have machines. They do it by hand. They shake the tree and the blessings fall. They shake the tree and the fruit falls. I believe God has intended for a shaking to come upon you, your life, your ministry, that some things would change. We're talking about open up the floodgate. Psalms 29 and, and, and the 11th chapter talks about God sitting sitting during the time of the flood. Look at verse 8, if you will, just because we can. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the force bear, and in his temple, everyone declares glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Look at Pastor, just for a moment. There are people today that do not have access to drugs, but they will shoot sugar water in their veins because they're addicted. To the needle because they know when they push they slam that drug in their body all of a sudden a euphoria of a false peace will come upon them and they will get mellow and they'll chill out and they'll begin to nod and they'll begin to doze and begin to sleep what the world is looking for in a drug or a needle or a drink God says, "I want my people to have it because I sit upon the mountains of glory. I open the floodgates. I enjoy blessing my children. I enjoy pouring things out upon my children, and if they would make themselves accessible and qualified, I'll do great things in their life." Every, 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 every deer. This is kind of scary, but, but every deer we were coming home to the night from from the ranch, and two beautiful doves and two fawns, little old, look like, look like, look like, look like. German shepherd, just little old tiny, that the, the mom eased out the road, looked, make sure it was okay, and the fawns followed. Every time a doe gives birth in the woods, it's because of the voice of God that speaks. They tell me, and who's they? You know, they say, don't stay out in the rain, come in out of the rain, you know, don't. They They tell me that they have hooked up this special high-test, high-quality equipment to rocks, and they claim there's something emanating from the rock. There is a there is a sound that comes from the rocks. God said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. The Bible says the trees of the field give their praise to God. If you've ever heard a wind blowing at the top of the tree, that whistling sound, that, that whistling effect, every wave. We took kids to Panama City the first time, and they said... Wow, look at that wave about that high. I said, that's not a wave. Somebody flushed the toilet. That's not, a, that's not a wave. But every wave that crashes on the beach gives glory to God. All of creation praises and worships God. I mean, how cool is that? When you think about the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that every evening, look at someone and say, every evening, the voice of God came walking with them in the garden. Every, they heard the voice of God walking walking you think how cool would that be what did god's voice sound like john 5 and 25 you know to turn there just if you want to write it down it says this the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of man and they that hear shall live you may feel dead right now in your marriage you may feel dead in your ministry you may feel dead in your relationship i know i have a very he is a very dear friend. He's very close to me. I talk to him two or three times a month. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. I had the privilege of raising up a wife for him. I had the privilege of, of, of dedicating both of his daughters. They're, 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 they're excellent young ladies. They're, they're, the whole ten, The whole family is t- talented. But a few years ago, when things were real tight, he lost a couple of spec pro. He built a couple of real nice homes to sell. And because of the economy, he lost the homes and he, and he went bankrupt. And he began to ask God to do some things. And because God did not do it the way he wanted God to do it, he became angry and he decided there is no God. Listen, deciding there is no God is not going to change anything in your life. Uh, Trying to manipulate manipulate God, you know, if you say, well, if God doesn't do this, I'm going to do that. God doesn't operate that way. You don't manipulate God. You don't strong arm God. I have a dear acquaintance. I've not seen him for years, but we did several conferences together. You know why? And he wrote a book entitled, Faith, The Crowbar of God. And I told him, I said, Brother Betty, I don't agree. I I don't agree that you pry God or you manipulate God or you bait God. God is a dad that loves to spoil his kids. All day yesterday, I pulled everybody that wanted to be pulled. I drugged everybody that wanted to be dragged. And I had two cocky, arrogant kids that said I couldn't throw them. It took me seven seconds to throw them. But I spent the whole—are you guys sore today? Anybody sore? Everybody okay? Just a little sore. Told you you going to be sore. But, but see, I, I'm a dad. I love doing stuff with my kids. The kids will ask me, Dad, can we do this? And my, and my answer is, absolutely. Sure, we can do that. We can make that happen. Well, how did I learn that? From the God that created me, the God that I'm a part of, he loves to bless his kids. And let me tell you something. If you don't clean, if you don't clean your room, you don't make up your bed, you're probably not going to get blessed. Hello? There are things that you do to honor your parents that bring your parents to a place to bless you. God's the same way. If you will walk in his word and obey his word and do what his word says, he will follow up, chase you down, bless you, and overwhelm you with good things. So we see this this voice walking in the garden. We see this voice that's going to speak and dead things are going to come to life. Go with me, if you will, to Revelation, the first chapter, and let's just look at, at verse 10. Very last book of the Bible. Very first chapter of the Bible. I'm sorry, I got distracted with 1 John 4. What a great scripture. Oh, well. Notice, if you will, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, look at somebody, say loud, as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write it in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice, watch this, to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with garment down to the feet, and girt about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like the flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as refined refined in the furnace, and his head was the sound of many, look somebody might say many, many waters. He had in his right hand a hand... Hand seven stars, and in his mouth went a sharp two edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell down to his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first, the last. I'm he who lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. What a moment! What an opportunity! Can you imagine, like Enoch, being so close to God, being so focused on the things of God, journaling, praying, fasting, seeking, pursuing, that one day God would say, Enoch, you're closer to your heavenly home than you are your earthly home, come up and hang out with me for a while. Can you imagine that kind of relationship? Can you imagine what it must have been the first few months of Adam and Eve's existence? As they walked through, I do not believe in one day they named all the insects and all the birds. and all. I don't believe they did that one day. I think that was a, a journey. I think that was a ministry. I think that was quality time together. I think they wandered through the garden. <coughs> Excuse me. They wandered through the garden, and they would see something that they hadn't seen before. They would look at it. They'd be blown away about it. And the husband looked at the wife and said, what do you want to call it? I don't care what do you want to call it. I don't know. You, you decide what you want to call it. No, I want you to be the head of the house. You decide what you want to call it. Let's call it orangutan. I don't want to call it orangutan. We were call something else orangutan. Let's call it a giraffe. I thought you didn't care what we called it. Okay, let's call it a giraffe. And bam, stuck. That name stuck. It's a giraffe. Why? Because Adam and Eve said it was a giraffe. Okay, can you imagine walking up to water, crystals clear, And looking in in the reflection, and every time you look in the reflection, there's a scar right here on the guy's side that reminds him that God took from him and made him a companion. And when he saw her, he named her. Help me. Whoa, man. (laughs) Tough crowd today. Can you imagine every day about 6.15 realizing, okay, it's time for God to come by. And I don't know. I don't know how God introduced Himself. I, 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 if, you've, if, if you've ever been around a tornado and you've heard the mighty rushing wind, it's so loud, it's so ominous, it's it's scary. It's so loud. I don't think that God scared them with this voice, but off at a distance, I think they heard a. Here he comes! Here he comes! Here comes God. Can you imagine how cool that would be? The Bible said in a time when things were tough that Noah. Heard the voice of God and the instruction that God gave Noah exactly how to build an ark, three football fields long, and to host every single animal for 13 months. I mean, can you imagine the blueprints? Can you imagine how Noah must have felt every day when God was telling him how to build that? Can you imagine a guy by the name of Abram in a dead-end street, a dead-end country, a dead-end life, a dead-end job, and all of a sudden God speaks to him and says, Abram, I'm going to change your name, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Leave this land. I'm going to show you another land. Can you imagine as a pilgrim or as a just a tourist? I mean, how exciting it must have been to plan for a road trip. Why? Because you heard this voice, and this voice told you to, to do this. I mean, how cool is it for Moses, spends 40 years in Pharaoh's court thinking he's somebody, messes up, spends 40 years in the wilderness, looking at somebody in the wilderness, realizing that he's nobody, and he sees a bush and it's burning. Well, first of all, for the bush to be burning, it had to be struck by lightning or something had to cause that bush to burn. So when he walks up to the bush, he sees the bush is burning, but the bush is not being consumed. Have you ever thrown... uh, Last year's Christmas tree in a in a fire pit, ever? Do you ever notice it took about 15? It's gone. I mean, I mean, it's gone. Well, this bush was not consumed, and Moses was so he was so blown away by the bush. He's standing there looking at the bush, and all of a sudden the bush starts talking to him. Hello, I mean, how many of you ever talked to a bush before? Hey, bush, uh, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just hanging around. What's what's going on? Just leaves, you know, just, you know, just chilling here, hanging. And by the, remember the three amigos. Remember the, remember the talking bush, the invisible. Never mind. But can 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 you can you imagine the ability to hear the voice of God, and for God to speak, and for God not just to speak, but God to change your name. When God told Abram, I don't want your name to be Abram anymore. I want your name to be Abra, And the way that God said it was Ham, where we get the word Yahweh. Or the word Elohim, or the word Jehovah—it's a—it's a—you've got to say it with an accent. It's like the French—they put a little symbol over to be, betray an accent. God, God changed Abram's name from something normal, and God gave Abram his name Abraham. And they looked at Sarai and said, "You're not Sarai anymore. Your name is Sarah." And God changes the name of Abraham and Sarah, and tells him, "You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have kids. You're going to bless the world." And Sarah's going, "Yeah, all right. Hello, I'm, I'm 90 years old. I don't, even, I don't even want him to touch me. I don't like it. He's got bad breath. We just, it just ain't, it ain't happening anymore. It's done. It's a done deal." But God said, "It's not a done deal. This is what's going to happen." God looked at Jacob and said, you're no longer a supplanter, you're no longer a worm, you're no longer a deceiver, your name now is called Israel. God looked at Saul that was killing Christians and said, no longer is your name Saul, your name now is Paul, and you're going to change the Gentile nation, you're going to rock their world and introduce Jesus to them. When we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were not their names, those were the names the world gave them. And I believe a lot of times the world tries to attach their vernacular to our life. The the world would like to call you loser. The world would like to call you flaky. The world would like to call you a drug addict. The the world would like to call you alcoholic. But when Jesus calls you, there's a new name written down in glory. And I'm here to tell you that when he returns in the clouds of glory, they can call you gone. Because like a thief of the night, he's coming and we're going to resurrect and meet him in the air and then wait for all of the drama to take place. Hello. What is God saying to us? What is God what is God speaking to us? I like, the, I like the ministry of well, let's just let's just walk, let's just walk just for a moment. We are connected to the Israel. We're grafted in the vine. If you don't know anything about grafting, in California, about every fifth house had an avocado tree. But I don't know if you know this or not. There's a male avocado tree and there's a female avocado tree. And if the female avocado tree is not close to the male avocado tree, they don't bear fruit. It looks good, it's pretty, it's nice looking, but it has no fruit. You can go over and take a machete, and you can whack a limb off the female tree, and you can go over the male tree, and you can whack it just like God whacked Adam when he created Eve. How cool is that? And you whack that, you, you, you put a gouge in it, and then you take that female limb, and you put that female limb, and you can take duct tape. Duct tape has a lot of good uses. And you duct tape the limb to the tree, and then you water it. And guess what happens? The pollen from that female branch affects that male branch, and avocados show up. I mean, is that, is that exciting to anybody in the building at all? I mean, if you've never had an avocado, I feel sorry for it because they're really good. So you and I, we're not Jews. We're not under the Judaic covenant. We don't do the Sabbath. We don't do the feasts. We don't do the sacrifices. That's not us. We're grafted into that vine. We're a part of the, of, of the Jewish people, but we're not Jews. And what cracks me up is that there's a lot of teaching going on that claims that we've got to go back and honor the sacrifice and honor the offerings and honor that stuff. No, that's not, that's not us. We're Gentiles. Look at someone and say Gentiles. Noah had three sons. Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and from the lineage of Ham comes the godless, from the lineage of Shem comes Israel, and if you trace down Japheth, he comes the Gentiles. So we are grafted into the vine. But let me tell you about this nation. God speaks to a guy. He starts walking. All of a sudden he has a son by the name of Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and and Esau. They split, go their own way. Jacob gets married to two wives. He has twelve kids. God takes them 70 out of the land of bondage in the land of Egypt. Seventy people go in and like rabbits. I don't know. Uh, Danette can tell us about rabbits. Rabbits rabbits. every four weeks, a good breeder rabbit every four weeks will spit out, what, 12 bunnies? Well, if you do the math, if you had 500 rabbits every four weeks, you'd be a millionaire. If somebody would buy all the rabbits, you if you could sell all the rabbits you could sell, 500 breeder rabbits would make you a millionaire. How long did he say it would take? 24 months. No, we have a guy that does some math. We have got a guy right now wanting us to raise rabbits to sell not to Americans. We won't eat rabbits. You know, we see Bugs Bunny and but we send them to Japan and and Korea and Europe. It's a big it's a big deal there. And how how long did he say Danette? He said he said 12 months this church could make $250,000 breeding rabbits. That's a lot of rabbits. Well, when you look at 70 people, 70 look, 70 people Four hundred years later, there's four million. Mike, well, if Jacob had twelve sons, there's no telling how many sons his grandkids have. They, that just, and they didn't have MTV, they didn't have HBO. They were bored. No Xbox. I mean, what they do? Eat, sleep, and the other thing, and birth children. Millions of them. They have millions of children. So God says, "Okay, I'm going to take you out of the land of bondage." Now watch. Things that got so bad that the Jews weren't just slaves. There was a new pharaoh. They didn't remember Joseph and the plan that God gave Joseph. There's a new Pharaoh, and he hates the people of God because everything they touch, they're blessed, every area of their life. So he places them in slavery, and they start to build, kids, this is important, they they start to build pyramids. And if you ever go to Egypt, you'll see the Sphinx, you'll see the pyramid, magnificent, unbelievable how each block was handmade and carried and and stacked. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable when you go to Egypt and see all the things that they did. But they were slaves. Well, God raises Moses up, Moses hears from God through a bush, Moses goes and has a staff, confronts Pharaoh, who is his second half-brother, his half-brother, and Moses throws the rod down ten times, ten plague. they all come out of Egypt, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, I don't want to lose them, so he chases them up the Red Sea, the Red Sea parts. Okay, go there with me. Can you imagine walking up to the the Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, and you just holding your water out, and, and, and the water just part like like 80 feet on both sides, and you just walk to Hawaii. I mean, how cool? How, I mean, how cool, how cool would that be? How cool would that be? Uh, God loves Harley Davidson. God loves motorcycle riders, and there was a motorcycle rider that God with all of his heart. And God came to him and said, you have found favor in my sight. I have decided to grant you one wish. What is your wish? What would you like me to do for you? He said, well, God, I'm really struggling with my wife. I said, I, said, I said, God, I really don't know how to figure her out. I, I really don't know uh, what, what, I, what I need to do. And God said, well, what is the desire of your heart? He said, well, I ride a motorcycle. He said, God, I want a freeway from L.A. to Waikiki. I want a, I want a freeway from, so I could ride my motorcycle all the way, and I, and I can think about and pray for my wife and try to figure out. But God, you said you would grant me one request. And then God said, you know what, the freeway idea that's kind of expensive don't you think that's a little overboard just one one motorcycle guy to ride all that cost I can do it for you but, but is that really what you want in life goes not no, God really I would like for you to tell me how to figure my wife out God looked at him and said you want that two-lane or four-lane <laughs> 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 anyway parts parts the Red Sea now, this is kind of scary. For 40 years, their shoes grow with their feet. Their clothes grow with their body. He allows manna to fall from heaven. He allows quail to fall from heaven. This is the desert. If you've been in the desert, it gets real cold at night, 45 degrees. He gives them a pillar by fire that covers the camp. And during the day, 110 degree weather, he has a cloud that covers them. They walk in the shade of that cloud. They come up to bitter, bitter water. He makes it sweet. They come up to where there's no water. They strike a rock and water flows from the rock. I mean, can you imagine all these things happening and you're a part of all of this, and all of a sudden you decide you don't like what God is doing, and you decide you want to go back. Can I tell you, can I tell you the best way to irritate God? Can I, tell you how, the, can I tell you what really irritates God? That you would want to go back to your vomit. That you want to go back to that lifestyle you came from. I don't know if you've ever eaten a leek. I never have. I smelled them. It smells like kimchi. It's terrible. It's horrible. I don't know if you know what kimchi is. If you've been to Korea. Anyway, can you relate? It's tor- I don't know how, how they eat it, but they eat it. I like cucumbers, but I don't want to live on cucumbers. And they said, we want to go back to Egypt where we had leeks and cucumbers. Well, who wants a diet of leeks and cucumbers when you're eating angel food cake? I mean the Bible says that the the ovens of heaven worked all night they spit out this angel food cake every day they picked it up every day they had quail I mean who wants to eat cucumbers See if you're not careful you'll start re- hello you'll you'll start remember days of the past and you'll start forgetting how bad it was and how nauseating it was and how frustrating it was and how ugly it was and you'll say you know what I want to go back God does not want you to go back. He is a God of multiplication, not a God of division. He's a God of addition, not a God of subtraction. He wants you to get better and better and do better and better. Can anybody relate? And so here's what here's what is here's what's happening. They decide in Numbers the thirteenth chapter, they get to a place. And we'll have a little fun with this if you want. They get to a place. It's about about a ten-day journey from Egypt they're in the wilderness and they come to this place called Kadesh remember say Kadesh and at Kadesh Moses chooses 12 spies one spy from each tribe every tribe had a spy represented and they sneak over into the promised land they go into the promised land and they see things they've never seen before you got to remember They were slaves eating garbage. they have been in the wilderness, and nothing grows in the wilderness. The word wilderness means barren or unfruitful. I don't know if you've ever been to Death Valley or or anywhere in Arizona or Gallup, New Mexico. I mean, nothing grows. There's cacti and roadrunners, and the coyote's still chasing. He's still chasing the a roadrunner, hadn't caught him yet, but there's nothing to eat in the wilderness, absolutely nothing. So they've been in the wilderness, there's nothing to eat, God has been feeding them, God has been blessing them, and all of a sudden they come back and it takes two grown men to carry one cluster of grapes. They come back with a report, it's a land of milk and honey, it's, it's a valley of blessing, it's the valley of, of prosperity. Ten of the guys said the giants are too big to hit, two of the guys said the giants are too big to miss. What an attitude. Don't you love that? I took the kids out the day before yesterday and we had a little twenty two pistol and we were and we were we were we were practicing with it. And instead of shooting a little can which they probably would never hit nor would I we picked out a dresser. There's a dresser sitting out by the burn pile. I said, Okay, let's shoot the dresser. So I shot the dresser, you can see the little hole, and Danette shot the dresser, and Christine shot the dresser, and we all shot the dresser. And it was like a big <laughs> Am I losing am I am I losing anybody in, in this place today? See, God will give you things big enough that you can hit. Aren't you glad he does that? God will bring things in your life that you can you can you can actually you can actually take out of your life because they're too big to miss. But ten of the spies were terrified. They'll kill us, they'll tear us up, they'll they'll destroy us. So they voted ten to ten to two, voted it down. Okay, that was at Kadesh. Everybody say Kadesh. Then at Kadesh, Miriam, the praise and worship leader, she dies so they lose their they lose their worship leader okay they lose the ability to go into the promised land they lose their worship leader and then there's some guys by the name of Korah that they decide that moses should no longer be the pastor so they raise up 250 leaders men of uh, good men godly men and these 250 men come to moses and said who called you to be all that bag of chips who called you to be the, the spiritual pastor over all this flock? And the Bible says that Moses bowed his face before the Lord on the ground and humbled himself. And he said, I never called me to be your pastor. I never chose this. I was walking around minding my own business. Some talking bush start delegating responsibility to me. I'm under the covering of a, of a talking bush. Hello? I wish I had that clip from the three amigos right now because I'd play that talking bush for you. Here's what Moses said, you come here tomorrow, you get your censor, and let's see who God determines is the pastor of this flock. So they come, and guess what happens? Moses said, you have have come against the things of God, the plans of God. Now we're going to determine who God chooses and who God doesn't choose. If God doesn't choose you, the ground's going to open up and swallow you. Now, would it be scary if you actually threatened somebody that and it happened? I mean, how scary would that be? The Bible says the moment, this is in number 16, the moment Moses said that the the, the ground opened up and it it swallowed all all of those who were against Moses. Then a fire comes and trashes the rest of them. Then all of a sudden in the camp of where their children are, God says, I'm going to wipe out not just the men that came against you, but I'm going to wipe out their sons, their daughters, their nieces, their nephews, and immediately Moses. Bows on his face before the Lord and says, Lord, spare them. He tells Aaron, quick, get over there, get a center full of worship, and lay it down. And when he got there, there were already fourteen thousand seven hundred dead. And, and and Aaron lays a center down between the dead and the living. And everyone that was on this side of the center lived, and everyone on this side of the center died. And so God determined who was the pastor of the congregation. A guy like guys, I, you can vote me out. I mean, I mean i i'm not going to open up the ground to swallow anybody and i never i never called myself here uh pastor Rhonda called us here that was a um god, god god spoke to her to to uh to uh the cracker jacks thing we sent it off and they mailed it back and said go to cleveland we thought him in ohio and we went up there and wasted a winter of our life in ohio thinking no no just just kidding okay so okay everybody say kadesh okay Kadesh is the place where the spies came back with the negative report. Kadesh is the place where Miriam dies. Kadesh is the place where 14,700 people die of a disease. 250 liters die of a fire, and all, of course, families swallowed up. Hundreds of people swallowed up in the earth. Something happens at Kadesh. Moses gets an attitude. 37 years of of blessing and and water and manna and quail the people grumble again again against moses there's no water they're in in the wilderness there is no water in the wilderness there's no river no streams no lakes god tells moses to speak to the rock and moses so angry strikes the rock strikes it twice and the minute he did that the promise that god gave moses to go into the promised land and be the pastor and raise up a new new nation, a new generation, is lost. Moses dies in Kadesh. Miriam dies in Kadesh. The spies come back with a negative report in Kadesh. But 37 years later, God brings everybody back to Kadesh. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb, Go into the land. They spy the land out. They come back and say, it's ready for us to take. God raises up an army, and they go and they begin to take back what the enemy has stolen. Why? Because he's not just the God of your victory. He's also the God of your defeat. He's a God that can come to your worst nightmare, your last trial, your last failure, your last mistake, where you dropped the ball, where you messed up. God can shake. You know what the word shake means? It means to birth or labor pain. God can create something. God can birth something in your tragedy, in your bad time, your bad places. He wants to shake your Kadesh. I'm preaching to somebody in the building today. And you can relate what that failure is. Matter of fact, before I spilled my water I had notes. Let me share the notes with him. And me. He hates these cans. <laughs> oh, I did not need that page anyway. Here's the here's the page. I don't even need I don't even need, I don't even Here's what I wrote. Kadesh represents your worst mess, your biggest mistake, your greatest mess up, your deepest pain, your scariest nightmare, your largest failure. When God speaks, He speaks life, healing, victory, and restoration. Let me say that again. When God speaks, He speaks life, healing, restoration. Go there with me just for a minute. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. Can I tell you that when God speaks to void, structure appears? When God speaks to things that are that are that are totally chaos, all of a sudden there's substance there. When God speaks to darkness, there is light. In the beginning, God stepped out and began to speak to things that were dead, things that were void, things that were worthless. And all of a sudden He began to restore this planet. He began to rebuild that which had been stolen, that which had been taken. And on the sixth day, God creates. The only time the word create is found in the in the creation in in the sixth day, and God said, and He created a whale, and He created a man. Whales are supposedly have the intellect of a human, but they never abort a baby. Whales are supposed to have the intellect of man, but they never build an atomic bomb. I don't know what God was saying. I don't know what that pattern is. I'm sure there's some kind of pattern there. But I've learned that the whale is the king of the ocean, the eagle is the king of the air, the lion is the king of the jungle, we are the king of the earth, and Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and in him we live and move and have our being. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. and 11. I guess this is the point that I want to conclude with. When God spoke to Abram and changed his name, he prepared and provided his destiny. When God spoke to Jacob and changed his name, he prepared and provided his destiny. When God spoke to Saul, he changed his name and provided his and prepared his destiny. What is God saying about you? Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven, what is he saying? I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. Go with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy twenty eight, and we'll land this plane. Deuteronomy 28, and I'll share, if you'll allow me to, I'll share the first 14 verses. This is what God says about me. Now it should come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully, to to do all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. And we begin to count these blessings. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herbs, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to who rise against you to be defeated before your face, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on you in the storehouses and all which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you a holy people to himself, just as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall grant you plenty of goods, and the fruit of your body, and the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground, and the land which the Lord swore to your father to give you. The Lord will open to you his good. Look at somebody and say good. Good treasure. The heavens to give the rain... To your land in the season to bless all the works of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only, not beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So you do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. What a powerful statement coming from the mouth of God. Jesus reiterates, and he says, "You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You're a city set he said, upon a hill that cannot be hid. You you are the inflowing of the Holy Spirit. You are everything that God wants you to be. Everything He is is everything He wants you to be." I don't know if I spilled anything on it. I don't know if I. I don't even know if I brought it. I didn't bring it. That's okay, Frager. Do you remember that? I remember when I was about 12, there was a song that I thought was cool. ABC, oh, how elementary love can be. It's so easy. In the conference room on the table, there should be the ABCs of who we are. Like taking candy from a baby. I'm stalling right now. Run, Frasier, run. Run, Forrest, run. I have been asked to host the um the, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And the first three sessions, something really irritated me about saying, My name is Hank and I'm an alcoholic. I'm not alcoholic. I had a drink in 31 years. I'm not a drug addict. I haven't had a drug in 31 years. So why should I say my name is Hank and I'm an alcoholic? Well, someone said, Well, I have a disease. I said, Okay, let's grant that. Nowhere does a physical test say that alcohol is a disease. It's just stubbornness and rebellion. But let's say, okay, you have a disease. What did God say in Psalm 103, 1 through 5? Anybody? Quote it to me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless, Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are they? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that youth is renewed like an eagle, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's what God says about your disease. Okay, let's say your let's say your disease. He wants to heal it. Fraser, I think I think you brought everything. Fraser brought everything. Run for, Oh, Frazier, you got it. So after about three weeks of being irritated saying my name is Hank and I'm, al- I'm an alcoholic, I realize I'm not alcoholic. But you know what? If I speak that over me and I get depressed and I get discouraged and I get frustrated, no, Greg, what I'll do? Well, after all, I'm alcoholic. I may as well take a drink. I may as well see what you speak. And in Deuteronomy 28, he says, choose life, not death life and death in the power of the tongue. So I decided to, 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 to go through the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say in the ABC. Is that okay? And let me tell you what I've, what I've learned. I am not a drug addict. I'm adopted by the Father. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a doer of the word. I'm excited to be alive. I'm full of faith. I'm God's kid. I'm heaven bound. I'm not intimidated by the enemy. I'm just passing through. I'm a king's kid. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not the tail. I'm the head. I'm an overcomer. I'm a part of the puzzle. I'm quickened by his presence. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm saved, sanctified, and satisfied. I'm triumphant over the grave. I'm under the blood. I'm victory over death. I'm a warrior in battle. I'm excellent all I do I'm young at heart and I'm zealous for his touch that's what God said I am and if that's what God is speaking over me then that's what I've got to receive let's conclude with Luke the you're probably want to go here Luke 5 the first nine verses here's what happens. The time for the ministry of Jesus to be revealed to the nation has come. Jesus goes to the shore. There he sees a boat. There's a couple of dudes in it. He doesn't know. He gets in the boat without their permission. He asks them to push away from shore. He pushes away from shore and begins to minister ministers the whole day the multitude gets blessed then he looks at these two dudes that he uses their boat he does not ask their permission he just tells them to push him off to the side he tells them have you caught any fish they say, we have fished all night long and caught nothing a lot have gone home around too hello I ain't gonna sit there all night long, kid. I want to go to something else. But if there's no fish there, I'm gonna go to something else. Kill, I don't know, hunt, track something down, do something different. I ain't gonna sit there for hours and catch nothing. I remember one year we went to uh, Lake Powell. We rented a houseboat with a family we grew up with. They had three girls, two of us, my brother and I, two families. We do vacations together. And at night we would fish and we would throw our we throw our night crawler or whatever off the back of the boat and then we would line our rods up and they they sold this little toy it it clipped it clipped on your on your rod it just hung there and a bell to it and when the catfish came by and grabbed that line that bell would ring everybody got excited everybody got a bit. I mean it was like we caught something we were fishing all day and caught a thing we finally caught something So I would wait till everybody was almost asleep, not quite asleep, almost asleep. And I would go to the front of the boat and I would jump off the side and I would swim underneath the boat. And Josh, I would grab all three of those lines underwater, and I would yank three times. Everybody woke up. Oh my God, we got a bite. They bit the rod in two, look at that. (laughs) One time I accidentally pulled the rod in the water, pulled the rod completely out of the boat in the water. Well, why did I tell you that? I know what it's like to fish and not catch. It's boring. It's it's irritating. It's frustrating. Watch this, especially in salt water. You can have you can hang around the lake all day and be fine. You go deep sea fishing for three hours and you're burnt out. There's something about salt water just, drain, just takes a, it zaps the life out of you. Zaps the life out of jet ski. That's why I never take my jet ski to the ocean. Salt water just it just does that. So the guy said, hey, he said, we have been fishing all night, and we've caught nothing. And Jesus said, go back to your last failure. Go back to the last place that you messed up, and throw your lines out in the deep, and see what happens. Okay, Jesus is a carpenter. He works with wood. Carpers don't know anything about fishing. There's fishermen and then there's carpenters. Nevertheless, they were so blown away by his teaching that day that they went back out and launched out, and the Bible says they caught more that day than they'd ever caught. Matter of fact, every fisherman in the in the village came out and were blown away about how much fish they caught, and Peter said, my Lord, and my God, forgive me, for I am a sinner. If it takes a miracle in your life to let your family know that God is real, if it takes a miracle in your life to let family know that he is the God of breakthrough, then God will provide that miracle. God will provide that blessing. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you need to go back to your last mistake, your last failure, your last pettiness, your last argument, your last what word is that arrogance, your last prideful moment, your last hurt from others. You need to go back to the last, the last place you were, and you need to let God heal it. And let God restore it so God can speak things in your life that you're able to receive we are so disqualified we disqualify ourselves low self-esteem we're a failure a mistake we're never going to mount anything that's not what God says about you God says you are the apple of my eye and everything you touch I will bless we conclude with David as we have talked about David every week for the past four weeks what did God say about David? What is God saying about you? Has there been a prophetic word? Has there, been, has, there been a, has there been a scripture that just jumped out and you said, that's mine. Has somebody prophesied over you? Has somebody spoke something over you? We were out somewhere the other day and someone said, you're going to kill us. I says, no way. I can't die yet. Way too many things have been prophesied. I got to live to be at least 90 just to do half the stuff. That I, come on. Anybody there? I've got so many prophecies, and I've got so many people caught. i got that face in a crowd. It just looks like it. You! Yeah, come here! Can I tell a story about the the, the guy in Chattanooga? I'll tell it. I'll go to Chattanooga. I hear this guy. Okay, we know the guy's a prophet. If I said his name, you would know him. We know he's a prophet. So, what I did was, I positioned myself behind a rather large woman. Because I knew that he would never see me. He would never call me out. And he said, you! Yeah, the guy behind the large woman, come up here. And it's like, Oh my God, I said, I can't even hide behind large people anymore. I, and then if if I go to a Billy Burke thing, if I go to a Mike Merrill thing, it doesn't matter where I go, it's like, come here, I want to. Come here. And it's like, I've been prophesied over so some of the things. There's no way, am, am I helping anybody in the house? There's no way I can die. David is a child, 17 years of age, taking care of a bunch of sheep. Watch, 17 years old. God tells Samuel, from the house of Jesse is the next king of Israel. Samuel goes, tells Jesse, they get excited. Wow, how cool is this? Lines up seven sons. These are good looking kids. These are, these are men of battle. These are these are these are healthy lads. And Samuel walks up to the first one, looks at him, doesn't feel that that, that, that unction, that urge, that, that, that push. Goes to the next one, looks at him, waiting to hear from God, hears nothing. It, we're not disqualifying these; they're just not called to do what you're called to do. Is that okay? Goes down one more, looks at him. Yeah, I don't feel anything. I, I'm assuming by the time he got to run the fifth one, he's like, hey "God, we're we're running out of prospects here. You better do." Gets down on the last one, stands there, doesn't feel a thing. Can anybody relate? time you go to church, you feel absolute like the walls are brass. It's like it's like I don't feel nothing. And then all of a sudden, Samuel says. Okay, something's wrong with this picture. This is not the way this is supposed to play out. He looks at Jesse and says, Hey, got any more kids? We got seven. I mean, probably got a couple more. He's had seven already. Got any more kids? Oh, the baby! I forgot! Oh, Oh, he's out in the south pasture out there somewhere. And somebody says, Go get him. They go get him and bring him up. Here's David. Probably a little sunburn. Got a sling thing going. Got his harp thing going. Probably got a a knife. I mean, he's probably, you know, he's probably a pretty cool teenager, a pretty cool kid. And he comes walking up, and God said, that's the one. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. So for the next 13 years, David runs. He kills a Goliath. And to reward him, the king Saul puts a death sentence on his head, offers a thousand pieces of gold if you kill David. The next 13 years, he runs from the king, and he kills the king's enemies. And at Zeglag, you know the story. They came back from a great victory. The enemy had stolen his family, his children, everything. The men are so they're so depressed, they're so frustrated. They're going to kill David. But what does David do? David said, "I can't die here. They can they can't kill me. There's a word that's been spoken over me. The same word that walked there in the in creation and said, let there be light. And there was light. The same word that met Adam and Eve every day in the cool of the evening. The same word that confronted Enoch, Moses, Abraham. That same word. David said, I cannot die here. This is not my sickness unto death. There are sicknesses that will kill you, but this ain't it. This is the car wreck that's going to take me out. This is not the divorce that's going to burn me. This is not the loss of job that's going to take me under. Better things have been spoken over me. God has spoken things over me. I'm going to be the king. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I think this is how he encouraged it. He said, this is the day. This is the day. He didn't feel like dancing. He didn't feel like singing. He didn't feel like clapping. But he knew that there was a place he could touch God. If he would praise him prophetically, that God would show up and provide what he wanted. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and praise his house. Everybody except except Ashley. Ashley, you don't have to give the Lord a hand clap and praise. Well, let's conclude. If you don't feel a word's been spoken over you, then get a word. This is your last will and testament. This tells you what you can do, what you can be, where you can go, and what you can have. The same unction that stirred Samuel, the same unction that stirred Samson, the same unction that served David is the same unction that as you're reading, it will literally reap out of the leap out of the pages and almost shake you. And you realize, whoa, that's for me. That's what God is saying about me. You mark it, you highlight it, you write it down, you journal it, you memorize it, and then the enemy tries to disqualify you from something you say, no. I can't be disqualified. This is what the Word of God says about me. I am the head, not the tail. I will not walk in debt. I'll walk, I'll walk in, in victory. And when the enemy comes in like a flood to tear you down, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him concerning the things that he's spoken over you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In Jesus' name. You said we would recognize your voice, we are your sheep, and the voice of another we will not follow. But there are so many voices right now speaking so many things, it's very confusing as to what you're saying. It reminds me of the scene from Superman when he realized that he could hear conversation from miles away. There were so many conversations it it rattles it rattles brain, and he'll start focusing one at a time what he was hearing. That's where we're at today. Everybody wants us to be politically correct. Everyone wants for us to have the latest techno gadget in the in the in the newest facility in the in the highest steeple, and everyone's telling us what 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 we should want. But we know your voice, and the voice of another we will not follow. Heal us, and we will be healed. Save us, and we will be saved. Let the spirit man get hungry again. Let there be an awakening. As Rip Van Winkle slept for 20 years and woke up and saw all the new things that had happened... Let us be amazed by the new things you're doing in our life. Let us be amazed by the new things that you've brought to us that we have missed and we have not noticed. Give us something from the Word. First of all, give us the hunger to read the Word, to pursue the Word, to to tear it apart, to study it. Let there be a shaking, a birth in our wilderness, in that dead place, that barren place, that that place of our last mistake, our last accident, our last hang-up. Let us go back to that place. Let's regain that ground. Caleb said, 40 years ago, I said, give me my mountain. I'm 80 today, but I've stayed in shape. I didn't eat the cucumbers and leeks. I didn't I didn't go back to the vomit. I ate the manna. I ate the quail. I drank from that river. I drank from that cup. I feel better today than I felt 40 years ago. Give me my mountain. Like Noah, let us hear from you about what we are to build. Like Enoch, let us get so close to you that there'd be times when you would catch us up in your presence and we would be overwhelmed by your glory. Like Moses, speak to us in an in anointed voice. Like Jacob, change our name. No longer are we a liar or a loser or a drunk or alcoholic. We're born of the Father. We're a child of God. We are the head and not the tail. We are everything you said that we are. Let us not beat ourselves up with the failures of yesterday. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. We forget those things that are behind, and we reach forward those things which are before. And Because of your blood, we are washed and we are we are clothed. Let that rain fall from heaven. Let it wash away all the smog. Let it wash away all the all the inconsistencies. Let there be growth in this rain. Let us take back what the enemy has stolen in this rain. Let us get bold in this rain. Let there be rivers in the desert and a way in the wilderness. We declare this over others and over ourselves, in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap appreciation this morning for His goodness, His mercy, and all that He has done. Thank you for your faithfulness and your consistency today. We are we are we are a fellowship that encourages us to be debt free.